All right, welcome to the World of CONCACAF podcast. I'm Eric Schmitz. I'm Jonathan Slape. And I'm Donald Wine. And this isn't going to be a full episode, but the Gold Cup just happened, so we got to talk about it. So we're going to bring you this special bonus episode, talk about the Gold Cup and the Olympics. Um, so we'll start with uh, the Gold Cup. Uh, clearly the most important international soccer tournament that has happened since the CONCACAF Nations League in June of 2021. Uh, the Gold Cup, your every two years CONCACAF tournament, go fill the pockets, sell some tickets, and uh, get you some international soccer. Um, we'll kind of go through the group stage and then go through the knockouts, go through the final, talk about all of the dumb stuff that happened, and talk about the result. Uh, then after that, we'll also talk about the Olympics, but we'll get to that later. Uh, so Gold Cup, your 2021 edition of the tournament, uh, the debut for Suriname and, oddly enough, Qatar, Uh in classic CONCACAF fashion, uh, Qatar finding their way into the Gold Cup. Um, I'm not. You, you talked about the uh, the pockets being lined of CONCACAF. And let me tell you, those pockets were lined well before these tickets were put on sale. Yeah, those... I'm, I'm not saying that they paid their way in, but I'm not not saying that. No, I, I, I will say, say they paid their <laughs> way in. And I will say um, we don't want your blood money. Listen, I got a great story. I know we're going to talk about them a little bit later, but I have a great story about when we played Cutter in Austin. I have a great story. Okay, we will we will definitely get to that. Um, I do want to mention that this is just the first time that they will be in because they will also be participating in the 2023 edition. So look forward to talking about them again in that edition. Um, but like I said, Suriname and Qatar making their debuts. Uh, also, right before the tournament, we had... Guatemala finding their way in and qualifying because Curacao had to get dropped because they had a COVID outbreak in their team. So not exactly the start to the tournament you want. And right after they fire their coach for not losing a game and not making any tournament, uh, he got fired. And then like, was it like the next day they announced the interim manager? And then two hours later, they're like, Hey, by the way, call everyone back. We're going I don't to the even Cup. know. I don't even know if we got the preview episode out for the Gold Cup before Curacao <laughs> was just, like I like I think we talked about like amending the like but yeah it was uh I mean it was pretty immediately he doesn't he doesn't lose a game they announce an interim manager and then boom they're in the Gold Cup which Remember? I think I think Curacao probably would have fared a bit better um than Guatemala in there um would it have been interesting to see Curacao playing a team like Mexico. Uh, I think that would have been. I think that would have been a tough test for um, both Mexico to play a team like Curacao and just some some good uh, good competition. Yeah, yeah. For Guatemala, it's hey, coach, congratulations, you're fired for not making the Gold Cup. Now, oh hey, we're in the Gold Cup again. Uh, so interesting start there. They actually delayed their first game in the tournament um, a day just to give Guatemala time to actually get to the U.S. To play in the tournament it's like all right fine we'll push it back a day so big first day of the tournament we actually only had one game on july 10th and boy it was a doozy uh mexico trinidad and tobago at at&t stadium in arlington um t- 
Tata Martino actually suspended for this game thanks to his red card in the CONCACAF Nations League final, which, of course, was for putting his arm around the ref while he was looking at VAR. Uh, great job missing this game because it appears to have cost Mexico. Um, they did suffer a key injury. Uh, Chucky Lozano actually got hurt early in this match, um, got sent to the hospital, big facial injuries. Uh, he was actually knocked out four to six weeks. So he actually missed the rest of the tournament in Mexico, losing one of their best players. And in all of this, Trinidad Tobago, who has been in rough shape over the last year and a half, their program has not been great. They had that uh, shock result to the Bahamas back in qualifying. They get a 0-0 draw with Mexico on the first day of this tournament. Gentlemen, thoughts? I mean, it was uh, it was a miracle that Trinidad held on because, I mean, it was just, I want to say Mexico could have been up 4-0 um, within the first, like, 20 minutes. Um, I mean, but it was, I mean, it was peak CONCACAF. There was, you know, chance things that, sh- that may have should have been penalties. There were um, things that could have been red cards. I mean, it was just, it was the perfect game to kick off um, the 2021 gold cup i think the one thing that this was a precursor for which we kind of didn't know at the time at the time we were kind of like wow this is a shocking result that you know trinidad could hold on against mexico but this is a precursor for how mexico kind of played throughout throughout this entire tournament it wasn't you know on paper they were the best team they brought the best team they brought basically their a team minus again minus you know memo choa diego landis and then they lost uh chucky during this game but those guys did not play the best team throughout this tournament. And this, what we thought at the beginning was just an aberration, like, oh, they'll get it together. It turned out to be kind of a precursor for how they played throughout the entire turn. Yeah. Uh, Mexico was able to recover. They won their next two games, uh, beating Guatemala 3-0 and El Salvador 1-0 uh, and getting through. So your Group A results, Mexico and El Salvador advance, Fernand Tobago and Guatemala Guatemala actually getting a result against Trinidad um, in this surprise appearance in the tournament. Uh, one other note on Group A, El Salvador did score the goal of the tournament against Trinidad and Tobago. I don't know if you guys saw this replay. I definitely shared this on the Twitter. Uh, late in the game, close game, uh, El Salvador has numbers. They rip a shot. It hits both posts. The keeper cannot pick it up. Uh, El Salvador's player rushes to get the rebound. It is saved. Uh, the next guy for El Salvador comes in because Trinidad's defense still hasn't gotten back and swings at this wide-open, gaping hole of a net from four feet out and completely fans, and it just goes across the face of goal. Trinidad still hasn't gotten back. And finally, a third El Salvador player comes and cleans up the rebound uh, to really seal the game. Uh, just absolutely phenomenal. Just the peak of soccer competition, like quality level. Uh, you just cannot find this anywhere else. It was wild. It was a wild sequence. It was one of those things where even the replay, like I feel like on uh, uh, Telemundo or Univision, whatever uh, Spanish outlet, uh, they were basically laughing during the entire thing because like they couldn't believe that the ball ended up in the back of net despite all of what happened in like 
a span of 35 seconds. It was pretty, it was pretty, it was just madness. They tried very hard not to score there and against all odds they did. Uh, I will make sure to re up that clip just to refresh everybody's memory when this, uh, this thing gets posted. So there's your group a Mexico, El Salvador into the knockout, moving on to group B. Uh, I've got the United States, Canada, Haiti, and Martinique. Uh, Haiti, with a rough start to the tournament, they have a COVID outbreak in the team. Uh, five players they lose for the opening game against the U.S., uh, including two of their three keepers. So they're already starting a backup keeper. Uh, they are able to get somewhat of a result there, uh, only falling 1-0 to the U.S. Um, but the U.S., Runs the table on the group, uh, including a final game victory over Canada on a first-minute goal. Uh, Canada really played very well. Um, gentlemen, your thoughts on this uh, Group B? I mean, I thought that Haiti, while they may have only won one game, um, looked pretty good. I mean, I was really impressed with them against the United States. Um, they kept it really, really, really close and, and had some instances where they could have scored and and maybe even forced to draw there. I mean, I think Canada looked about like how we expected them to to do. They did lose, um, you know, without they did lose a few of their best players just before the tournament started. Um, so no Jonathan David, who was rested, and then no Alfonso Davies, who got hurt right before the tournament. Um, so I think that would have made a bit of a difference um, as we kind of talk about what Canada does in the group stage. I mean, I think if, if they would have had Davies there available. Um, but no, I mean, it, it it finished how how we I think we all expected it would. Yeah, I mean, on the United States side, they didn't play particularly well. But one thing I saw in those three games in Kansas City from their standpoint is that a lot of their players who, for a lot of them, this is their first Gold Cup. There was a few veterans on the team, but a lot of them, for all intents and purposes, it was their first forelay into CONCACAF soccer. And they were learning on the job. And a lot of them were able to pick up things. You could see the physicality you know, pick up. You could see the intensity pick up from Haiti where Haiti just kind of, you know, they didn't score, but they smacked him in the mouth and gave him a, a rough wake up call saying, Hey, you got to play better if you're going to outlast some of these teams. And they were able to kind of learn on the job and, and really get together. And even when things weren't going their way, especially that Canada game where they scored in the first 20 seconds and spent 89 minutes, basically trying to sort of park the bus uh, against Canada's attack. They were able to withstand wave after wave after wave, of attack from Canada and really figure out how to make sure that all the garbage in, in their defensive half was taken out and cleared away so that there was no problems. And Matt Turner did very, very well uh, in, in goal in goal for the United States. So I think those were things that I like to see these young guys picking up, you know, kind of the bits and pieces of what CONCACAF is about and learning and improving every single game. Yeah. Now we talk about on the field stuff. Donald, you were in Kansas city for this group. Uh, what was the vibes like in KC? Lots of barbecue, lots of Mexican food, um, lots of soccer. It was great. It was it was the Holy Trinity. Uh, and then also a lot of alcohol. So I guess the Holy Quartet, um, the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghosts. Uh, <laughs> but uh, really, I mean, it was just a great time. You know, Kansas City is always a great, great site for the men's national team, for the U.S., um, we had some pretty decent crowds. That third crowd against Canada obviously was the best one. It was a sold out game. Uh, Canada had a couple of fans there, but it was a 99.8% U S pro crowd, which 
I always love. And Kansas City always brings that. So it was great to be out there for the entire week. Uh, it, I can't tell you how hard it is to to do th- to watch three games and be a part of putting on events for one game, much less three. You guys have done one before, uh, but you've yeah. never had to do three straight. And so hats off to everyone in Kansas City who helped us out with the events that we did because it was a lot of fun and it made every single match feel as important as the other ones, right? It wasn't like a week long build up to the Canada match. Each game in, in its own right was given its importance and, and had its own fun. So it was a lot. It was a great time. Now, do you feel like it's a good idea for CONCACAF going forward to do this where they're putting a group in one host site where they're all staying in the same place or is it better to move around? It's way better to move around. I, I think maybe from the logistical standpoint of the players, it might've been easier because they, you know, parked at a hotel for 12 days, but for fans, they want to be able to travel and see some different parts of the country and not necessarily post up as great as city as Kansas city is. It has nothing to do with Kansas city. All four groups had a site where they were kind of positioned at. And for a lot of fans, they can't take 10 days off to go to one place, but they can say, Oh, I got to go here. That's two days. I got to go here. That's two days. Oh, there's a weekend. I'm going to go to this other spot. So what we found is a lot of fans picked one of the weekend games and went to that instead of trying choosing to go to all three, or they did the one where it was the second two games because it was a Thursday and then a Sunday. So they're able to make it a long weekend instead of being in one spot. So I think that's the idea. Putting in different places will encourage more fans to travel to those destinations and they go to more games as opposed to picking one or two, because when you put the onus on the host city, they're only going to pick one. They're not doing all three people who travel. There's, you know, they're nuts like us who will do that. But for the host people, they're only going to pick one game and they're going to go to it. And that limits your attendance for the other two. Yeah. So Group B got to post up in Kansas City, except for, and I believe this is new this year, they had the final group stage games going on concurrently for each group. So while U.S. and Canada was going on in Kansas City, uh, Martinique and Haiti wrapped up the group uh, in Frisco, Texas. Uh, One note from that game, Martinique's Kevin Fortune uh, scored the 1,000th goal in Gold Cup history. Uh, so congrats, Kevin, on that historic achievement. Does he uh, get a ball or like a plaque? I believe something? he gets a golden ball. Not that like the, not like the golden ball. Just like a ball that happens. A ball to that gold. is spray painted gold. Yeah, I was gonna say cool. I, I I bet they probably just spray paint it because I don't think I you just see Concacaf like they just grab they probably grab that ball and like send it to the back and then spray paint it yeah they had someone run down to home depot pick up a couple cans uh spray paint knock that thing out doesn't take that long takes longer to get to and from home depot than to knock out the ball right um so usa canada advance there's your group b uh moving on to group c uh i don't really have a lot of notes on this group we've got costa rica and jamaica getting through Suriname in their debut and Guadalupe uh, failing to advance. Uh, is there anything that caught your eye in this group? Uh, the goal of the tournament came from Jamaica, I believe, in the first match of the game of, of the tournament. Besides that El Salvador goal. Oh, besides the El Salvador. But this is yeah, one that was an like, actual goal. Actual that you quality. Okay, actual yes. quality, world-class goal. Um, 
but yeah, this, I mean, Jamaica was kind of, was kind of the team that I was looking out for. I think we talked about what they could do and they showed that they could be a really tough team. And especially against, uh, against Costa Rica in that final match, it was kind of, you could kind of see that these two teams were better than everyone else in the group. Yeah. Uh, that was Bobby de Cordova Reed of Jamaica getting that goal of the tournament, uh, against Suriname, uh, 26th minute in that two zero victory. Uh, yeah. So we've got Costa Rica, Jamaica, moving on to the knockout out of group C. Uh, and then finally group D, uh, the most CONCACAF of all of the groups. Uh, you've got Qatar and Honduras getting through Panama and Granada, uh, going home uh the game of the tournament the most entertaining game possibly of the summer um of all of the confederation tournaments qatar three panama three the opening game of this group this was great television you guys get to catch this game i think i caught the several of the goals i didn't get to catch the entire game but it, i mean it was just end to end wild action like i mean it was i i it was it was fantastic i mean this it game was, go ahead this group this group was just goals i mean not even not even this one game this one game was awesome but like qatar scored the show that they could score goals you know a lot of these teams learn we learned that these guys can really put the ball in the back of net if there was an entertaining group, Group D was it. Well, and the crazy thing too is like none of the goals come in the first half. So like, yeah, it was zero zero at halftime. I, it was zero mm-hmm. zero at halftime, and then from minute forty eight to minute fifty eight, there are four goals. Yeah. I mean, it is I all mean, hell broke loose. In this yeah, one. all hell broke loose. Um, and I think I think that's probably about the I caught like the the start of the second half. So I caught those goals, and I, I ended up having to do something else. So I missed the both of the penalties penalties later on. But I mean, it was, uh, it went from like, Oh man, this game is boring to, Oh shit. Yeah. yeah. Like it's a little firecracker. The, the half, the, the halftime pep talks got to hear them because for all <laughs> these teams, they were lit. <laughs> yeah. And that's Qatar's first match of the tournament. So that is their introduction to CONCACAF is that three, three thriller. I don't care. You could have watched the whole Euros and not seen a game that good. The whole Copa America, not seen a game that good. Qatar, Panama. That's what we come to CONCACAF for. Um, so, yeah, Qatar in their tournament debut, uh, they actually go two, two wins, one draw, and lead Group D and get out. Uh, Honduras also taking care of business. They only fell to Qatar in that final game. Um, when it appeared both of them were already through. Uh, so Qatar, Honduras advanced to the knockout stage of the tournament. So knockout stage will kind of go day by day in the order that the games happen. Uh, first game, Qatar. Talk about all hell breaking loose. Qatar goes up 2-0 in the first eight minutes of the match. Second half... 55th minute, they get a penalty, go up 3-0. They did everything in their power to possibly lose this game to El Salvador. And El Salvador, give them credit. Everything. Everything. Give El Salvador credit for turning it on. Because 63rd minute, uh, they got two goals. 63rd and 66th minute, they got two goals from uh, Joaquin Rivas Navarro. And for the last 
24 minutes of regulation plus your stoppage time, you were convinced El Salvador was going to tie that game up. Like they had their chances and they just could not, could not convert. So Qatar moves on with a 3-2 victory. Um, Mexico takes care of business over Honduras in the other quarterfinal on July 24th um, with three first half goals. Uh, That really wasn't in question. Uh, Moving on to the next day, July 25th, uh, Arlington, Texas. I was there. Donald was there. Uh, Canada, 2-0 victory over Costa Rica. That's a really good win for their program, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. I I don't want to say that's the upset of the tournament because there we maybe had a couple upsets, but that was the one where you kind of solidified. I mean, after that game, people were saying, "Is Canada the third best team in Concacaf behind Mexico and the United States?" So just to hear that question means that Canada did something right, and that it's clear that their program is improving at a rate that they would want to see to get into that top half of Concacaf. Uh, I mean, they already entered the octagon. They're going to be in there this fall. And now people are telling them or at least saying about them, hey, they're not just here to be a part of the Octagon. They're here to potentially qualify. And I think that's what they want to see. They want to make that statement uh, with that game against Costa Rica. Yeah. And then following that up, uh, the second half of that doubleheader, uh, United States getting a 1-0 win over Jamaica on a late Matthew Hoppy goal. Um, I thought the atmosphere in Jerry world for those games was fantastic. Uh, they announced 41,000 that stadium seats a lot more than 41,000, but you couldn't tell that it was half empty. Like it was loud crowd was into it. It was a great, great atmosphere for these quarterfinal games and a physical game too. I mean, yeah. Jamaica in, in the U S when they play each other is always physical, but this seemed like it was on another level. Uh, we had a lot of game stoppages for, fouls and injuries and things like that had a couple of guys from jamaica sub off injured we had a couple of guys that were nursing injuries for the u.s at that point that point if you recall we had already lost walker zimmerman because he got injured against canada and daryl dk had hurt himself paul arillo was coming back from from an injury so we had a lot of, i mean it was a lot of physical play and i think it kind of ruffled the feathers a little bit of the united states especially those younger guys who had not really experienced that but again they learned from it and in extra time they were able to overcome it with uh, the matthew hoppy goal to advance yeah and i i wonder what have had would have happened with this game you know can't uh jamaica you mentioned like they had some guys like alvis powell who you know had to leave the game due to injury but um you know leon bailey didn't even make an appearance in this game because he had gotten injured um during the group stage and so he he wasn't while he may have been on the vet on the bench uh, he was not fit enough uh, to make that to make that start. I was really impressed with O'Neill Fisher when he came in, came on and replaced Powell uh, early in the game. I thought he did really really well. But I mean, it was a it was a really physical game, and, and I think a good look at what um, the U.S. can expect um, from Jamaica going into World Cup qualifying. Yeah. So good quality victory for the United States. Uh, again, recapping our quarterfinals, uh, Qatar. Advanced on El Salvador. One quick note on that Qatar El Salvador game. That game was moved to Fox in the U.S. for television coverage. They put Qatar El Salvador on Big Fox in the United States. Um, we know why. That the check cleared. We we know why. <laughs> we know. Oh, why. it's a coincidence that the team that's in the Gold Cup that we have yeah. and it, 
just so happens to have the World Cup next year and also and, happens to have a lot yeah. of fucking money. Yeah. And just, just so happen happens to be, to be the largest sponsor of the tournament and of yeah. Fox's coverage. Funny weird how, how that works out. Weird how that happens. I mean, hmm. they just happen to have a time slot perfectly in place for this Qatar El Salvador because, you know, those teams known to get ratings in English speaking television in the United States. There is must see TV whenever they're on Big Fox. I mean, it was a great game, so people got their money's worth by tuning in. But interesting. Funny how that mm. works. Provocative. Yeah. yeah. Odd. All right, moving on to the semifinals. Uh, first matchup from Q2 Stadium in Austin. Uh, United States gets a 1-0 victory over the aforementioned Qatar. Uh, Giasi Zardes, your legendary American goal scorer, burying a goal in the 86th minute to give the U.S. the victory. Uh, thoughts on this match? Donald, you were in Austin. What was what was it like? Uh, the vibe was great. It was super, super hot. Um, and I think that affected play. You, you, you failed to mention the VAR penalty that was given to Qatar. Again, ah, yes. some checks had cleared. Uh, I'll explain about that in a minute. Great story. Uh, but that penalty kick, uh, of course, there was a lot of uh, jawing back and forth between penalty taker and uh, Kellen Acosta. Yeah. Also, Car- you had Matt Turner kind of mimicking like the guy's run up saying, like, I know exactly how you're going to do this. And of course, naturally, he had done a Panenka earlier in the tournament. And Matt Turner basically said, I'm expecting you to do a Panenka this time around. And sure enough, dude does a Panenka. But me on the capital stand watched the ball kind of whiz right past my face as it cleared the crossbar well safely uh, out of play uh, for the goal kick. So, yeah, it was that part was fun. Uh, I want you to comment on that, and then I'll tell you about the story. Yeah, that was elite shit housing from Kellen Acosta, and I, I just want to say, like, he's been doing a very good job filling that role for the United States uh, this summer. I he need him probably, to do that this fall. He probably gets shit houser of the tournament award. Uh, yes, I'm going for, to for sure. I'm gonna I'm gonna give the first annual World of Concacaf shit house of shit houser of the tournament. Uh, and that's going to go to Kellen Acosta. Is that like a brown ball? Is it like you have the golden ball, the silver ball, brown ball? Like we'll talk about it. We'll talk about the trophy. Yeah, it yeah. has a little bit of blood on it. Um. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the story I was going to tell you about Austin is we're going to uh, we're going to early entry and um, we're going to set up stuff inside and we're talking about the crown prince, the royal family was going to be at the game, and you know. That's not abnormal. They've been going to a lot of games around the tournament. And I'm joking with security. And I'm like, I mean, yeah, it makes sense. Are we going to have like security, like, you know, Secret Service or like when the president's at a, at a game? They're like, no, it shouldn't be that bad. They just had a lot of demands. I'm like, what? Like they wanted like seven black SUVs to show up and drive them and basically bring them around and drive at high speeds. And security was like, well, I mean, they, they were very specific. It was black 2021 Lincoln Navigators. And I'm like, look, man, I'm from Detroit. I know you can't find one black Lincoln Navigator in this town, much less seven from 2021. Do you know why? Because they stopped making them in 2020 for the <laughs> pandemic. They hadn't made as many, so there weren't as many on the lot. So I know you don't have seven in this, in this great city of 1.2 million people. I know you don't have that. Detroit ain't got that. And he yeah, was like, got those from Houston. Yeah, but here's the thing. I, no, they weren't even in Houston. They were in they were in Arizona. So they had them in Arizona, and they were pissed off that they didn't get you know 
2021. And I'm like, oh, they're probably joking around. They probably got 2019s and they're fully loaded. And they're like, we do, this is beneath us. We don't do, we don't do two-year-old cars. We do brand new cars. And so they made like, apparently they made them get, you know, brand new SUVs for every single thing in the tournament. And then on top of all that, CONCACAF apparently is in exchange for this air, air quotes partnership that they have, read Qatar Airways money. They are now, I guess, CONCACAF is now helping them out at some tournament that Qatar is doing this uh, later on this summer, like early next month, uh, either Asian qualifier, Asian cup qualifiers or something like that. They're going to help them out on that. So I'm like, look, these guys, as soon as the gold cup was done in Vegas, I was like, I'm glad you guys are in Vegas. I'm glad you were accustomed to the heat because they were getting on planes to go straight to Doha right afterwards. So there's my little funny thing. The Tari Royal family apparently has a lot of sway and influence and they can find, make you find things that you didn't think you need to like a bunch of black Lincoln navigators. Uh, speaking of Qatar also in this game, uh, nine minutes of stoppage time in the end, they were definitely searching for a goal in the end. Nine minutes. Checks. Nine, yeah. Checks were cleared. Many of them. Nine with an N. The Buffalo Wild Wings button that was pushed <laughs> was from Doha. <laughs> and they nine minutes of stoppage time was just what they put up on the board. Like that. They, okay, so here's a here's oh, another. I was going to say, were you talking about when we ran into the Concacaf refs in the Buffalo Wild Wings in Chattanooga that one game? No, 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 no. Well, we did do that, but this story is about the game in Austin. Okay, so there's nine minutes. They get put on this. get puts on the board. Additional time, nine minutes. I'm I've just gotten down from the capital stand, so I'm right on the field, right behind where Matt Turner is. And when that happens, everyone starts booing because they're like, of course, you know, it's not nine minutes. What the hell are you talking about? He turns around and yells to whoever will listen to him. I need time. I need to know exactly how much time there is. Someone put a stopwatch up. Let's go. And so the AO Austin president is like on it. He starts a stopwatch uh, on his phone. And every minute we're just yelling one, two, just to <laughs> let him know how many minutes there are. So he is, you know, this is now about five or six minutes into the game. There's a little sequence. He gets the ball uh, on a high kick. They try to serve it in. He grabs it. He kind of lands to the ground. It kind of kills more time. And that's right when it hits seven minutes. So I get, he gets up and we're like, seven, seven, there's seven minutes. He kind of turns around and looks at this, starts nodding his head like, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Two more minutes. So you could tell like every single minute we kept yelling out, he kept getting like a little bit extra boost. Uh, so right when the full-time hits, whistle hits, he literally immediately turns around to our section is like, thank you. Fuck yeah, we're going. Let's go. It just runs off. So I was like, that's that's a good, that's a good man. Like the dude asked for some time. We gave it to him and he was very appreciative. That's 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 what you're there for to back him up. We are there to support the players on the field, whatever they need. And he needed time. So we we gave it to him. He got it. So US leaves Austin with a one-zero victory. Uh, and in the other semifinal later that night, Mexico two, Canada one. This was a hell of a game. Uh, Mexico goes up 1-0 late in uh, first half stoppage time uh, on a penalty. Uh, we got uh, <laughs> we got uh, a penalty at the end of the first half. And then Canada equalizes early in the second half on a Tejan Buchanan goal. And going back, it's like a theme of these semifinals. 
uh, stoppage time. Uh, Mexico getting the winner. Hector Herrera in the 90 plus nine. Uh, I believe they put eight up on the board over this one. Seven. It was seven. Why did they have those seven minutes? Oh, I know why. Because they did the chant. Yeah. That is the reason why they got the extra time. Yes. So the game was stopped right at the end of regulation due to the homophobic chants that Mexican fans continue to do. And if you follow our Twitter, we are vocal opponents of this chant as good people should be uh mexico just like hanging on as canada is pressing canada looks like they can steal this game mexican fans do this chant the game gets stopped and of course since the game is stopped the officials decide to add additional time on after the already declared stoppage time and mexico uses this break to reorganize, recalibrate, and uses the additional, additional time to find the winner and save us from uh, potential extra time uh, to periods. Uh, also, this game didn't end until like 90 plus 14. Because right after the restart, the- yeah, right after the start restart after the goal, Mexico just decided to do a bunch of shithousery. And we we had like seven minutes of basically fights until they blew the whistle. Like it, there was no chance. They basically did it. They're like, we're going to grind this game to a complete stop so that Canada does not get a chance to get, sneak in a lake equalizer. They just ground the game to a complete stop. They just fought and bickered and whined and all this stuff for another seven minutes until they were able to close the game out and the ref blew the final whistle. So the chant plus their shithousery equals a very, very, very long stoppage time, but a Mexico win. So Mexico gets the win. They advance to the final. So here we are. Who else could it be? The 2021 CONCACAF Gold Cup final, United States, Mexico. We're going to have Jonathan walk us through the game in a moment, but Donald, you and I were both in Las Vegas for this. Man, the vibes were just out of control. Yeah, everyone was ready to go. I mean, why, how could you not? It's Vegas. Um, I mean, there's people who decided they were going to go to Vegas and they watched the semifinal game from Vegas because they, A, were like, hey, I'll spend an extra day in Vegas. But that Friday night, that Saturday night, the Sunday of the game, everyone was on it. Mexico fans were everywhere. American fans were everywhere. Everyone was wearing their gear. It was, it was, it was like a big convention. But yeah, we were the out. We outnumbered everyone else in Vegas. It felt it felt like at least from the Mandalay Bay where we were staying, it felt like if you walk through the casino, eighty five percent of the people who were there were not there to just do random touristy stuff. They were there for the game, which was pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, you were staying right there by the stadium. I was down on the strip a bit, Planet Hollywood. Literally, you couldn't go twenty minutes without seeing someone in either a Mexico jersey or a U.S. jersey just wandering around the strip. Uh, the atmosphere was great. Obviously, putting it in a destination location like this, you're going to get people traveling for it. Um, I was actually very impressed with like the amount of American fans that I saw there. Because uh, typically in a Gold Cup final, like you're looking at 95 to 5 ratios, maybe 90-10. This, this was maybe 85-15 at best. But people showed up for this. I mean, it was 
wonderful just walking to the strip seeing soccer fans everywhere all the books had all their prop lists of props on the game um vegas is always a good time uh we ended up partying the night before the game down off fremont that was a good time at hennessy's um i actually ended up finding this other bar after that i was out till 5 a.m the night before the game uh shout out to my man crazy dave they ran into out there uh that's we don't need to hear that story um <laughs> but yeah it was that's for the that's for the patreon release yeah that's for the patreon which we got to get going on, on one of these days i guess i'm paying all these hosting fees we gotta get this shit together um but anyway, so your time so in Vegas was for you were supposed to make enough money to cover the hosting fees. Well, mm. funny enough, I did not do that. Um, <laughs> fortunately, I I lost the amount of money I was willing to lose. Um, but I've got this thing when I go to Vegas. I've been to Vegas a bunch of times where like I'll have a good run. Like for the most part, I leave town ahead. I do OK, but I always seem to like get lucky like the last day or before I leave. Swear to God, I got in Saturday morning. I ended up not leaving till Tuesday. It was not until clock strike struck midnight Monday night that I got up from a blackjack table with chips in my hand. Like I just got my ass kicked the whole weekend. So not not a great gaming time for me, but great gaming for CONCACAF um, as it, this premier prestigious event. Uh, turned out to be wonderful. So, Jonathan, tell us about this final. So, going to this game, I mean, it's it's a rematch of the uh, you know best game of 2021, and that's the Concacaf Nations League final between most US prestigious, most presti- not just most prestigious. I would say maybe the most. I it's probably the most entertaining and most unbelievable game um, as far as what all happens. Um, but coming to this game, we see we see uh, the U.S. Uh, you know have to make a few changes with some guys uh, due to some injuries, like we talked about with Walker Zimmerman. Um, some guys coming back from injury, um, and then Mexico, of course, dealing with the, the loss of Chucky Lozano. Um, but you know, going into this game, um, it's a one-zero win, and I'm going to kind of backtrack. Um, so we don't see a goal until the one hundredth and seventeenth minute. Um, Miles Robinson. Um, heads home a ball uh, kicked uh, from out of bounds by Kellen Acosta. Uh, if you haven't seen, <laughs> if you haven't seen um, that video uh, and that, but Acosta serves in a great ball uh, to Miles Robinson, who's able to finish that far post. Um, and then from there, Mexico has a few chances uh, to try to end that. But uh, I mean, there was, there was several chances throughout um, regular time. I felt that uh, the U S had plenty of, opportunities to to score but also that mexico had had their chances as well um and i mean it was a very you know chippy game as per usual with mexico and i think it was a chance for some of these young guys like eric Eric williamson miles robinson james sands those guys to get their first um taste of u.s first mexico we won the soccer world cup yes yeah i mean it was a great game Shippy, I got to give the Mexican fans their credit. Uh, the game did not get stopped. They only had to do a warning for them doing the chant. So that's progress, maybe ish. Um, I'm, I'm not giving it to them for that. 
I also was not struck with anything after the U.S. scored. So for a Gold Cup final, for a major game against Mexico where Mexican fans outnumber U.S. fans, uh, that's a step forward for not hitting fans with projectiles. Um, I was hit, so I'm not giving them that either. Okay, so they get a half point because I was personally protected. <laughs> um, we also did, I cannot, I did not make a note of who did this, but there was a yellow card given because a Mexican player kicked a American player in the head, like a flying cross kick. That was only good for a yellow card because this is CONCACAF, and you, if anything, you have to stay on brand here. Um, Mexico really had plenty of chances. Uh, Matt Turner for the U.S. was outstanding in goal, as he was all tournament. Matt Turner got through the tournament without giving up a goal in the run of play, which is kind of crazy. Uh, only a penalty against Martinique in the group stage was the only goal he surrendered. The U.S. was able to lock down defensively and all through the knockouts. They defended well, they defended hard, and they found a goal at the end. Uh, to make it fitting for Vegas, the Ocean's Eleven reference, a real smash and grab job uh, for the U.S. to pull out a victory here. I was just extremely proud of how the U.S. played throughout this throughout that match because, again, I mentioned that they got better each and every game throughout the tournament. They got a little bit of the shithouser. They got a little bit of the physicality. They got a little bit of the intensity throughout this tournament. They had some luck. They had some you know games where they put it together. And for this game, they were able to apply all of that. And they weren't a team that backed down from the Mexican uh, team. It wasn't like Mexico outplayed us. It was a really, really good game. Not once during that game did I go, you know, turn to someone and go, man, we're playing terribly because we didn't. We played very, very well. It just didn't show up on the scoreboard until the very end. But at the, you know, when it comes to USA Mexico, if it's Uno Acero, Dos Acero, Tres Ados, whatever you want, whatever score line it is, as long as we're ahead, it's a good day. And that day, you know, Miles Robinson with that goal sent us all into a state of just, delirium like it was it was pandemonium in our little section in that in that end zone he scored right in front of our section but uh to do that and to really silence the rest of the stadium which was sold out to capacity was impressive because again this was a team that after the game and i don't know if you heard any of this on the walk back to the hotels or to the strip or whatever Mm -hmm. but after the game a lot of mexican fans were just absolutely upset at their team for having quote a C team from the United States beat their A team. And yeah. that's what it was. Our team was our team on paper should not have beaten that team. That was that Mexico put out, but they did. Yeah. I mean, Mexico effectively brought their a a minus team, the U S that was a C team. And for Mexico, it really begs the question, should they just simply fold the program falling? Gotta to consider US? It. They got to consider it falling to the U.S. in two finals in the span of two months in two of the most important tournaments in the world, just coming up empty-handed to your rivals. I mean, Tata Martino, like, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of pressure on his job. If they stumble out of the gate in qualifying, it should be. I mean, look. If you're Mexico, you should be be having trophies, you know? Guatemala fired their coach, and he didn't lose. But he (laughs) he didn't do anything in the tournaments he was supposed to do. Mexico 
got to the final of both tournaments that they were supposed to win on paper and they didn't win. And of course they lost to their arch rivals. You got, I mean, the seat's gotta be hot. It's gotta be lit on fire by now. That's how that works. The only thing hotter is Greg Berhalter's shoe game. So shout out <laughs> to Greg getting a shout out in complex for, uh, for his shoe game. Um, I'm going to plug now um, Nike please send me shoes um, because us, I, us shoes. Us, yeah, us, 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 us shoes. Yeah, us, please send 11. I, I'm 11. a size eight. I can send you a list of um, both recent and upcoming releases <laughs> um, that I'm interested in. Um, we will make Just sure. Send us to, a sampling. Yeah, we'll send us a sampling. A smorgasbord of shoes. We that. will we will describe these shoes over podcast. Um, I mean, if, there's already people that do that, so I think we're a little late on we're a little late <laughs> a little late on that. Uh, but if we can put a Concacaf spin, um, maybe maybe that's our maybe that's our angle. Yeah, yeah. I going back to Greg Berhalter and his fantastic shoe game. Um, as an American fan, like I do have to say, there was a lot of pressure on him to perform, especially going back to the start of Nations League, losing to Canada, like his position seemed somewhat tenuous and it almost seemed like it wasn't going to go anywhere. The man's getting results. Like the U S hasn't lost a CONCACAF game since that loss to Canada. Um, they've got 12 wins in 13 games this year, this calendar year. Like the man's given you results. There isn't really isn't much more you can ask for heading into world cup qualifying. And he's got this team playing for him. He's got this team playing with some pride, which I know a lot of people said we didn't have in the past, but they are playing with some excitement, some swagger, some intensity. They're bringing a lot of all this stuff, which is making us, you know, as fans excited about what's to come with this team. And again, he took a team that people considered a ragtag bunch of dudes and won the, the second biggest continental tournament on the planet to the CONCACAF Nations League. He, and he also won that too. So on top of all that, when the FIFA rankings come out, the U.S. is going to be ranked ninth over Top Mexico. 10. Top 10. The U.S. in the top 10. If you would have that told is me a, this four years ago, you would not have believed it. This is something we have not been this. We will not have been ranked this high since right before the World Cup in 2006 when we were ranked what fourth in the country? Yeah, fourth, or fourth yeah, in the world. Uh, I mean, yeah, but let's let's pretend that that never happened. Yeah, well, no, we did that, and then you know we decided to skip the 2006 World Cup because <laughs> we were just so good. We decided not to really, you know, do you know, we we let we let some other teams just kind of go for it because they needed to have some confidence. We let them have that confidence, but now we're ninth in the world, and we're the number one team in Concacaf because Mexico will be tenth. We've beaten them twice. That is a lot of confidence for a program that. Six months ago, everyone thought was just treading water until we flamed out and you know crashed and burned in Nations League, and they'd fire everybody and start all over. Yeah, I mean, we don't need to rehash like the past of where the U.S. has ended up performing based on the rankings, but this having two teams in the top ten is great for Concacaf, and with World Cup qualifying, with a lot of important games coming up, they're going to be weighted very heavily. Like top seven teams get seated in Pot One in the World Cup. It's very, very attainable for both the U.S. and Mexico to find their way into that top pot and get a much, much more comfortable draw when it comes to the actual tournament in Qatar next winter. 
Can you believe that if that would happen? Like that, the fact that that's attainable is just, again, a testament to how these guys have really played the last couple of months. It's incredible. Like they deserve a lot of credit for that. The coaching staff deserves a lot of credit for getting them ready for all these games and to perform for what they have. And everyone can say, Oh, it's CONCACAF. It's not, it's not euros. It's not, you know, commie bowl It's not whatever. Yeah. It's but you're you right. Play it's the not... teams, you play the teams in front of you. And some of these teams that we're playing are really good. Again, we beat the Asian champs. We beat the, the best, the best team in CONCACAF. Now we're the best team in CONCACAF. And the only loss that we have is to a team that made it to what the quarterfinals of euros. Yeah. Like yeah. what more do you want to add? What more do you want them to do? Yeah. I mean, the best two teams in CONCACAF um, are the U.S. men's national team and the U.S. men's national team's reserves. <laughs> that's, that's an accurate statement. I seen it. But you're right. It is not the Euros. It's not Copa America. It's CONCACAF. So that, ergo, it's better. Exactly. So, a wonderful, wonderful 2021 Gold Cup. We're already enthralled and excited for the 2023 edition. Honestly, this is going to be my selling pitch to CONCACAF right now. Always put the final in Vegas. I am. If you make this like the thing that the CONCACAF Gold Cup final wraps up in Las Vegas, Nevada, there will be zero people upset with that. Because if you're going to have a destination, I don't want to go to Chicago. You don't need to put this in New Jersey. I mean, L.A., whatever. Vegas, baby. Let's do it every two years. I mean, you could probably put an alternate one, like do the off one in like Miami or something. Again, another destination. The, the only the, Vegas, al- the only alternate location I'll accept is the Windward Islands. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, pick see, one. Pick one. Ve- put it there. Vegas, Windward Islands, Sir Vivian Richards Stadium. Done. Yeah, yeah. Let's do like it. The way you do business. It's <laughs> what we're here for. This is why it's the world of Concacaf. So that wraps up the Gold Cup. Uh, that wasn't the only tournament that's been going on, and it's important we talk about the Olympics because it was a big Olympics for CONCACAF. Donald, tell us about what happened in in Japan. So obviously there was a men's tournament and a women's tournament, the Olympics wrapping up just a couple of days ago as we record. But I want to go through quickly the men's tournament and then I'll focus in on the women's tournament because again, as you mentioned, CONCACAF did very, very well in both tournaments. So uh, for the men, uh, very quickly going through the groups, uh, Japan, Mexico, France, uh, South Africa were in group A. Japan and Mexico advanced out of that group. Again, Mexico was kind of the crown jewel of CONCACAF's chances uh, to get a medal. They were the gold medalists back in 2012, uh, did not make the podium in 2016, but they were hoping to make the podium here in, in the 2020 Olympics, and that was 2021, but that's what the branding they were doing. Group B, South Korea, New Zealand, Romania, and Honduras. South Africa, New Zealand advanced. Honduras ended up finishing last in group B, they had kind of a tough go around, but they did get a win uh, in the group stage. So hats off to Honduras for showing well for CONCACAF in this tournament. Group C, Spain, Egypt, Argentina, and Australia. Spain and Egypt are advanced. Argentina not advancing uh, based on goal differential, which is a very big shock. Egypt was able to get out of the group. And then in group D, the defending gold medalist, Brazil, uh, Ivory Coast, Germany, and Saudi Arabia. Brazil advanced very easily. Ivory Coast was able to get a win and outlast Germany to advance. Germany was defending silver medalists, so they were able to advance 
out of the group stage. Uh, Ivory Coast was. Germany had to go home after the group stage, which was kind of a shock. That was probably the biggest shock of the tournament uh, in the group stage. Moving on to the quarterfinals, and I'll go through this briefly. Mexico, Brazil, Japan, and Spain were able to get to the semifinals. The semifinals were actually really, really good to watch. First of all, you had the Brazil-Mexico game, which was a scoreless draw after extra time. They go to penalties. And we mentioned in the segment about the Gold Cup that the that Mexico had their A-minus team or their, basically their A-team-minus couple guys. Two of those guys that were on the team, Memo Ochoa, their goalkeeper, and Diego Lanes. Memo Ochoa was the captain. He was the guy that started every game for Mexico. And when it came to these penalties, Mexico fell off the rails. And Brazil was able to take advantage. Brazil advances to the gold medal match four to one on penalties. So uh, Memo Ochoa, they had gotten that far. They beat the brakes off of Korea to get to the semifinals, but then could not score a goal. And in penalties, it just just kind of unraveled for them. And then in the other semifinal, Spain and Japan got to extra time. Marco Sensio, my boy from Real Madrid, was able to do the lone goal to advance Spain to the gold medal match. So that sets up gold medal match, Brazil, Spain. But first, there was the bronze medal game, Mexico over Japan, three to one. Um, the host nation falls short of making the podium. But in CONCACAF terms, Mexico did make the podium as the bronze medalist. So it's, again, the first time they were able to be on the podium since they won the gold medal back in 2012. And in the gold medal match, it also went to extra time. Brazil ended up winning in extra time, two to one over Spain to once again repeat as gold medalist for a team, a program that had not ever won a gold medal entering 2016 in Rio. It was a big deal. They put a lot of effort behind getting that gold medal. They attained it over Germany in penalties. Four years later, it goes to extra time, and they're able to secure gold again. So congratulations to Brazil. Uh, congratulations to Spain and Mexico for making the podium. Your guys' thoughts on the men's tournament before we go to the women. To be honest, I didn't get to watch a ton of uh, both both tournaments. I mean, I watched more of the the women's tournament, but um, you know, I think Brazil was has been long after this gold medal, and so um, you know, good to see that. Good to see them get that. Um, and you know, I guess good for Concacaf that Mexico got that win. Um, but you know, I'm always I'm never rooting for Mexico. I know this is a Concacaf podcast, so I should be pulling for Concacaf, but. Um, yeah, you don't root for other SEC teams if you're a Tennessee fan, you know. No, they just no, know. There's, we just know Here's when the they thing. do something good. They they do that. Like they do that, and <laughs> during the bowls, like they they go to games and like chant SEC, SEC, SEC. It just like, means more. I it, it's 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 loser mentality. <laughs> mm. Well, we don't do that here um, in Concacaf. Um, but yeah, I'll echo what Jonathan said. Like for Mexico, it's good for their program to come home with a medal. Uh, I mean, Mexico's done well in these tournaments before in the Olympics and really hasn't been like a harbinger of like future success. So you wonder what it all means. Uh, but it's good to see CONCACAF showing up. Um, I mean, even Honduras, they didn't get through. They, I mean, they were one point out of advancing. And they finished three points. New Zealand advanced with four in that group. Um I mean, the two teams didn't embarrass themselves, and I guess that's all you could ask for to show the quality of uh, what your confederation is. So that's the men's tournament. Now I'll 
Tell us about the women's tournament. So the women's tournament, and again, with these, I think what's important to note about the men's tournament and women's tournament is that the games were live in the middle of the night. So uh, why, you know, when people say they didn't watch a lot of the games, it's not because of things that were going on is because the one thing that was going on is we were sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> we were asleep because these games were, I mean, for the women's games, they were all in the very middle of the night. You either had to stay up late or get up early, depending on what coast you were on to watch these games. So for the women's tournament, there's only 12 teams as opposed to the 16 that are in the men's tournament. So we had a couple of third place teams that made it out of the group that proves worthy in just a second. So for group E, because for some reason in the Olympics, they just continue the lettering of the groups from the men's tournament to the women's. So group E is the, is really group A, uh, but group E was great Britain. Uh, again, in the Olympics, it's great Britain, not just England, uh, Canada, Japan, and Chile out of this group, three teams did advance great Britain, Canada, and Japan all advanced to the knockout stage in group F. You have the Netherlands, Brazil, Zambia, and China. This was a very interesting last day because a couple of teams could have made it out in third place, but Brazil and the Dutch advanced Zambia and China on one point were not able to get the victories they needed to advance. And then finally, Group G. Group G was Sweden, the USA, Australia, and New Zealand. The US obviously was the number one team in the world. They entered with high expectations of securing gold. That was really ripped out from under them in the first match. When they got blasted by Sweden, Sweden was the class. Of, Sweden was the class of this group. They won all three games. They scored a lot of goals doing it. I should mention that the Netherlands, uh, Vivian Miedema, had a hell of a tournament. She scored like ten goals throughout the tournament. Uh, but I'll get to her in just a second. Uh, but the United States really struggled to get out of the group in second place. Australia also advanced in third place uh, due to their last minute or the last game draw against the United States, where honestly, if you woke up for that game, you were probably very upset as I was that you even woke up for it because it was a zero, zero draw where I've seen paint dry quicker uh, than the play on the field. So uh, that was definitely a game where they knew the score. They knew what they needed to do. And they both just kind of had a gentlewoman's agreement to just kick the ball around. But Sweden, the United States and Australia did advance out of this group G for the quarters. We have Australia, Sweden, the U.S., and Canada all advancing. The U.S., by the way, needed penalties to do that. Alyssa Nair stopped the penalty in regulation to conserve the draw. And then in penalties, she stopped two more to secure the victory for the United States. So she was the real hero of this game against the Netherlands, a game in which Miedema scored two goals. <laughs> and again, was the class of the tournament easily the best player uh, on the planet at this point in time with what she was doing. She was basically scoring at will and somehow the U S is able to counteract that. Lynn Williams was a savior for the United States on the offensive front, getting a goal and an assist in the span of three minutes during this game. Now we move to the semifinals, Sweden versus the, versus Australia. Again, another group G rematch Sweden ending up beating Australia one nil. And then in the semis, again, the second semi, Canada and the United States, a long-time rivalry on the women's side. And for the first time in 20 years, Canada is the team that moves on over the United States. A one nothing victory, a harsh, harsh VAR call against Tierna Davidson that gave Canada a penalty, uh, and they were able to put it away. Uh, Alyssa Nair tried her best, but she couldn't get it. And they tried to do something at the end, but they just could not get the ball in the back of the net. It ends up being one nothing. 
to Canada. Yeah, that U.S.-Canada game, that actually kicked off right around 1 a.m. Uh, time in Las Vegas. So all of us that had gone to the Gold Cup final, uh, some of us were able to power through and watch this. The U.S. did not look good. They did not play well enough to win this game. Uh, they were definitely putting themselves in the position where a harsh VAR call um, could decide this. Um, Alyssa Nair actually went down with an injury in the game as well. Um, so not having your full-strength keeper definitely... Right, Andrea French came in. Yeah. Uh, and she was actually... I, I, I apologize. She was the one that actually was in goal for that penalty. And she did get a get a paw on it she went the uh, right way like she went the right way and she got a finger on it it just she just couldn't keep it out of the back of the net yeah but the u.s even after the penalty they did not really generate much for offense they were not inspiring whatsoever and, and for being the number one team in the world you almost saw the wheels kind of fall off of that team in this game and you know what good for canada they get their penalty they bury it they lock up the win huge win for their program going to the gold medal game uh but kind of an indictment of where the u.s women's program is kind of sitting right now that they weren't able to get it done and i mean even the quarterfinals like that's a draw they advanced on penalties uh the fact that you kind of you went to tokyo and you got one win in your five games uh it's a really tough spot for the program, but great for Canada. Canada moving on. Yeah, and not to be, you know, all of that is correct. We'll kind of do more of a dissection in just a second, but the U.S. still had something to play for. They were still in the bronze medal match. They again faced Australia, another rematch. Uh, again, look at this, Group G. Three, The three-player teams that advanced end up being in the final four teams. So that speaks a lot about how, when people are talking about how good Group G was, we really mean it. Group G was incredible. Group G, the G stands for good. And gangsta, because um, they all were gangsta points during this tournament. But during the bronze medal match, this is the one match where the U.S. actually kind of put most put it mostly together. Uh, you had two goals from Megan Rapino, one being Olympico. Uh, she is the first woman to do two Olympicos in an Olympics. Um, so she had one back in 2012, now one in 2021. Uh, you also had Australia, who scored three goals. Carly Lloyd scored two goals. The final four to three U.S. They get the bronze medal uh, again. Not the one that they're looking for, not the one that they were seeking, but it is still a medal nonetheless. And in the gold medal match, it was a very back and forth affair between Canada and Sweden. Sweden again being probably the best team in this tournament, at least playing the best in this tournament. It gets one one. They eventually move to penalties. Easily one of the worst penalty shootouts I've ever seen in my life. Awful. Just we've awful. seen we've seen some bad ones this this summer. This one ranks up there. Uh, both teams had stretches where they missed three penalties in a row. <laughs> now Canada missed three in a row, and eventually won three to two on penalties to secure their first ever gold medal. Sweden, who were the who lost to Germany in the gold medal match back in 2016, they got the silver. Then they have to settle for silver now. Is probably the most painful medal that they'll ever receive because they really had it uh, until again a penalty was called and Canada was able to to uh, snatch the win away from them and then take it from them in penalty. So, but again, Concacaf showing very well. Canada gets the gold, bronze for the United States, Sweden with silver. 
So between the two tournaments, CONCACAF got three teams on the podium uh, in Canada, the U.S. Mexico are three biggest countries uh, getting teams on the podium in Tokyo. So congratulations to Canada, Sweden, and our United States women's national team for their efforts and for securing the medals that they get. Yeah. I mean, props to Canada for finding a way to win gold without scoring a goal in the run of play. The most knockout thing. Yes. That is, that is someone that is a team who was prepared to do whatever it took, including just fall down in the, in the box and hope that VAR would cover them. And sometimes they did, sometimes they didn't, but they were able to somehow get victories without a goal from runner play. That's incredible. Yeah. I mean, you look at the two medal tables, CONCACAF getting three medals, UEFA getting two, and CONMOBILE only getting one. And, I mean, UEFA, they got the loser's medals. You get a silver medal, you don't get that for winning a game. You get that for losing. So, CONCACAF taking away two bronzes, that's, those are wins. And Canada getting the win in the gold medal game of the women. It's like, you know, say what you want about the Olympics. Whenever CONCACAF does good, it's important. So we determine the value of this tournament. Yeah. And honestly, like you said, being a silver medalist in a team sport is always the loneliest medal because you had to lose to get it. Uh, Whereas again, for the bronze and for, uh, I mean, the bronze, you obviously lose, but you have to win the medal. You don't lose and get the medal. You have to win the medal. You have to win the gold. And so for them to be able to do that. And again, for the U S or women's national team, for them to kind of turn it around, and put the disappointment of not going for gold behind them and focus on getting the getting a medal is, is something that, you know, you have to commend them for because not every team is able to do that. We see teams who, I mean, we've seen, we have been to games when CONCACAF had their lone third place match back in 2015. <laughs> I went to that game. It was an absolute funeral game. There's there, it should never been played. And to this day, it has not been played again because CONCACAF realized that no one wants to be there. <laughs> No one wants to be there. And so at least in the Olympics, again, there is something to play for in that game that no one wants to play in. Uh, So that is the redeeming quality is that, you know, they had a tough Olympics from their standards that for their standard, it was gold. They ended up with bronze, but bronze is okay. So that is, uh, that's exactly what that's about. You, You know, being able to put all the disappointment behind you and still walk out of there with something it deserves to get some credit, but I do think it's going to be something that they're going to look at as we move forward, because this is going to be a chip on their shoulder in 2024. When they go to Paris, they're going to want the gold again. Obviously 2023 is right around the corner. They're going to want to you know, do that because now they know that teams know how to beat them. So this may adjust how they play. This may adjust who they play, but, and, and, and the teams that they schedule, the players that they bring in, but we're going to see probably some changes in the women's national league program to make it so that they understand that we got to go in now with a chip on our shoulder to prove to everyone that, Hey, we may have given you one, but we're still the best. Yeah. I mean, looking at the history of the U S women's national team, every time they've finished third in a tournament, they've come back and win the next one when it comes to major tournaments. Uh, so looking at 2023, obviously it's a time of revitalization for the program, um, but they're going to have to take a harsh look at some of these veteran players. Um, 
and that's for the U.S. For Canada, you wonder if this is like the beginning of their golden generation. You wonder what this is going to do for their program going forward to have this much positive attention towards women's soccer in their country. Uh, you hope that it helps build that program just for the sake of building up CONCACAF as a rising tide lifts all boats, you know? No, for sure. Uh, yeah, and it was. I mean, it's it's going to be interesting to see what what comes at it from the U.S. because I think there's um, going to be some roster turnover for sure. We had twenty twenty two players on the roster. Eleven of them are over thirty, and four of them will turn thirty before the next World Cup in twenty twenty three. So you have to you have to expect that it may not be a bunch. Because there's definitely players who could, you know, still do it for this one last thing, one last hurrah. But there's going to be some players that are going to be saying goodbye between now and then. And it's just a matter of how they do it, whether they are replaced or if they decide to retire and, and ride off into the sunset. Wow. So big changes coming. So another great Olympic tournament. Uh, I think that about wraps us up. Is there anything else we got to hit on? Any weird stuff? League's Cup is coming up. You guys excited for League's Cup? League's Cup, we got champ we got a Champions League coming up, I believe to, uh this week. So yeah, we C- got CCL's coming, coming up soon. Yeah. CONCACAF League is going on. Like CONCACAF Con- does not stop. CONCACAF never stops. And you know, we are just mere weeks away from the beginning of the final round of World Cup qualifying. So we will be doing a preview podcast for that the next time around. Um, want to thank everyone for listening in on this bonus episode. We didn't want to do like the full traditional things. Obviously, there's a lot to cover when it comes to the Gold Cup and the Olympics and tournaments. We want to make sure we voted to full attention and didn't shortchange whatever wonderful CONCACAF nations we wanted to choose for our laser focus. So we'll bring that back next episode. Uh, hope to have that for you in the coming days. Uh, as qualifying starts, we'll try to get on more of a regular schedule, but you get what you get when it comes to the world of CONCACAF. Um, Jonathan, Donald, you want to tell everyone where they can find you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at SSB, along with um, at Speedway Soccer and Broadway Sports Media. You can find me at DW on Twitter and Instagram, and you can also find me operating the Stars and Stripes FC podcast at Stars Stripes FC on Twitter. Starsandstripesfc.com is the website. Uh, we just put out a... a uh, episode today on Monday and this week I also have the Cooligans featured on there so uh, that'll be nice to watch uh, or listen to so please subscribe to that as well yeah. so thanks for listening in remember like subscribe rate review the world of CONCACAF podcast get it wherever your podcasts uh, are available uh, follow us on social media we are at podcast everywhere pod cook half and that wraps it up we got we will uh see you next time